Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. Hi, I'm your host, James Bell, and I am thrilled to share the studio today with my friend, Mike Steely, who is the uh, commercialization officer at Verifix, which is a company whose business has been focused on government and defense, and so so it's based in Washington, D.C., but with Mike here, they have a presence now in Bentonville, which I'm sure Mike might explain later in the uh, episode. And if you're local and you haven't heard that news yet, then you'll be thrilled to hear it. Mike, I can't wait to hear your insights. So welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. So let's start with your story. What should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? Oh, wow. Uh, I'm lifelong Arkansan. This is, you know, not my first rodeo, so to speak, in terms of, you know, startups and and tech startups, born in Fort Smith, raised in Little Rock. I've been up here uh, for probably about 15 years on and off. I have, I've spent the last 20 years of my life experimenting, uh, getting an opportunity to look at ideas and to test those ideas out. I've had pretty good successes. I've had spectacular failures in that time frame, And this is this is the next one, man. Awesome. I, I love that. Anytime I hear somebody say they've had 20 years of experimenting, I know what's coming next. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's usually some successes and spectacular failures. And I can assure you I've had some of the same. You know, for those who have paid attention, you're a rare bird on this show because you said you're a lifelong Arkansan and... I don't believe we've actually had a lot of lifelong Arkansas on this show. So many people are are moving here to to Bentonville that it just it's, it just doesn't occur that often. Let's talk about Verifix. What's the history of the company and how why did you set up shop here in uh, Bentonville? Sure. Well, I met the founder uh, John Fuse at a at South by Southwest this last year. I, I coach and mentor companies that go through our South by Southwest accelerator. It's really now just called South by South Pit, Southwest Pitch. We, they were an alternate in our program this year. One of, you know, we have probably 100 uh, companies a year who go through that. And we just hit it off, I, uh, you know, helping them before they, they didn't win, unfortunately, but they only had two days prep, so they did pretty well. But we, we hit it off because the company is focused around data and it's focused around really a new way to measure and, and analyze data and, and get really predictive with it. And my background is with, you know, the company that started is when I was uh, started with at CCX 
and grew into Axiom Corporation. And mm-hmm. so, what, which was really a startup even, I guess I can claim startups all the way back to, I don't know, 88. <laughs> Strong. <laughs> yeah. And uh, before we knew what a startup was. But yeah, so I met, you know, I met John and he, primarily they were a governmental and still are, Verifix, you know, got its teeth in the governmental industry. And what we really wanted to figure out was how we could commercialize a technology that was very successful uh, on that side of the house. And, you know, the, the, he, one of the first things he asked me was, hey, do you know, you know, do you know how we might put, take this thing into consumer market? And it, at that point, uh, if mm-hmm. we're talking about consumer insights and, and I said, man, did you know there's this little, little bitty company up here in the corner of the state <laughs> that does that pretty well? So that's how we started. Excellent. And how did you get associated with Bentonville? I, I well, know the fuel accelerator, but what was your connection to get here? Oh, gosh. I mean, I've been on and off. This was when Jeff Amron was starting, you know, Startup Junkie several years ago. I was doing the same thing in Little Rock at the time with, mm-hmm. a, with something called the Venture Center. And we, we, you know, we spent, I spent a lot more time up here uh, because of that and the and the business, the other businesses that I was running at the time. But I've been in Bentonville and around Bentonville since, I don't know what the population was, but I know the, you know, the stoplight count and certainly the construction count of the area was way, way lower. So it, it was not, you know, uh, as the Arkansan, even in fuel, the accelerator went to, even in that, I was the only Arkansan in it. And so this is nothing, you know, it's nothing new for me. I've just been watching a, a crazy rise happen. You betcha. So Fuel, uh, Verifix mm-hmm. was one of the Fuel cohort members this past cycle. Can you talk about Fuel and, you know, how did Verifix get into the program? Sure, absolutely. Well, so, you know, Fuel is sponsored here locally and designed to be an enterprise accelerator. Mm-hmm. So, And what that really means is, and this is for not early stage companies, this is basically for as the name implies, it's for a startup that is ready to throw fuel on the growth, specifically in the enterprise environment. So you've already got a product. You're, you may not have all the polish. You certainly don't have all the answers, but you're not pre-revenue as a company. So we're not just taking speculative ideas and, and going. We're doing what this town does really well, which is we are, we are making the connections inside the enterprise that help you understand how to navigate and how to grow. Excellent. And what did y'all expect to get out of the accelerator? And I'll add to that, given your experience with accelerators, how would you say that fuel is different than others? Sure. Well, when the, how I started uh, or how I've gotten, you know, into fuel was that I just called Jeff Amaron up and just said, hey, hey Amaron, tell me, you know, I've got this new company uh, that I'm getting involved with. What should I do? And he was like, well, you know, we've got this program called Fuel that's about to, uh, you know, the application is about to close. You might want to check it out. And I went to the website and I was like, you know, holy crap, this fits exactly with where we are and what we would like to do in this area. So I ended up just uh, applying, came up, talked to the folks. You know, we, we did the standard, you know, the standard interview process. We got accepted. And then, you know, that, that really allowed us to get to the point where, you know, we, we, we could 
we could start making decisions around, you know, how we approach a company like Walmart, JB Hunt, Tyson, all these other, you know, crazy big companies for, for our little one. Yeah. That, well, that's fantastic. Uh, I know there's an awful lot of companies. I get calls from them every mm-hmm. day who oh, yeah. are trying to get into those companies. And so then we have to talk about, you know, whether they're even ready to do something like that. And then, you know, there's a fair number of them that get referred to Fuel and sure. other folks who can As help them should. out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What would you say to founders who are looking to get their startups enterprise ready? That is to, you know, pilot or sell to enterprises or really get focused in on creating operational value. Um, you know, if a founder gets that call from Fuel, in other words, mm-hmm. should they do it? Well, so <laughs> the first thing I would say is beef up your LinkedIn skills. Mm-hmm. You know, Bentonville, while there's a startup community and this amazing growth, at its core, this is an enterprise town, right? Mm-hmm. So business is done on a relationship level. Now, me as more of a startup person, I really hadn't used LinkedIn that much before I got back up here, you know, in, into the cohort. And it took me a couple of weeks to figure out the pace and the depth at which that tool can really assist you in connecting with learning about all these, you know, corporations. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, if you don't have, I would tell the founder, if, you know, if you, if you don't have a lot of enterprise experience, there is nowhere better than you can come than fuel to learn it because you're living and breathing every day, the innards because of the guys who run it and because mm-hmm. of all the mentors that are, that are brought into the program, you're, li- you're living and breathing how a major corporation works, how decisions are made. Because you're here for three months and depending upon the, you know, the season that you're here, you're also going to see some announcements happen at a corporation because corporations ebb and flow. Good and bad things happen every day. Public announcements are made. Reduction in force happens. Acquisitions happen. So in the course of being here in three months, you're going to be able to experience, you know, a lot of that cycle, which if you're not used to that, if you didn't work in a major corporation, if you've just, you know, you're a young founder or you're somebody who uh, really just has never taken the corporate route, it's quite a shock. It's, you know, it's a, it's a learning experience to understand how that process works. Because you got to think there's tens of thousands of employees you know, for one company, it is really, really, you know, it, it's a challenge to make that machine go and, and to keep it functioning. And you've got to put yourself in that mindset. That's why you're here. That, that's actually perfect. Uh, you know, it's, if you, you're right. If you haven't worked in a large corporation, you just don't know what you don't know. If you haven't sold to a large corporation, yep. you don't want to know what you don't know. I've, I've worked in companies as small as a two-person startup to, you know, for a global 200. And if people don't know the difference between Fortune 500 and mm-hmm. Global 500, by the way, for Fortune 500, I believe you have to be a U.S.-based company. Mm-hmm. And so there's the, the global list as, as well. But it is remarkably different. I've sold to healthcare systems, large healthcare systems, mm-hmm. super complex selling. Say it, that those are large enterprises too. And, it's, and, and you do, you have to know how to use LinkedIn. You have to know how to connect to people and you have to sort of navigate it along the way and, and getting with folks like the fuel accelerator who really understand 
how to navigate enterprises yeah, is, I, I, is really, I, yeah. I think, important for I would add to that, that too. The, the, you, you need to learn patience, you know, mm-hmm. selling into not only a B2B environment, but a, but a corporate enterprise environment. You know, the complexity, there's language sets that you just don't know until you get really, really close to the fire, so to speak. And I, I think that's what this program was, you know, has been really useful for me and the other, you know, the participants. Uh, you know, the goal, obviously, out of the program is to get relationships in place and then pilot programs in place that are going to allow you to test your products. And that's another thing. My ability to just knock on the door of, let's say, Tyson, you know, foods and say, hey, I'm Mike with Verifix. I'd like, you know, I'd like to have you try this. Uh, there, there's, a, there's not much of a chance that that's going to happen you know, outside of a program like this, because corporations are willing to help and willing to assist and willing to have their people inside of it because, you know, they, they, they're, they're looking for new ways to connect and, and grow. And they're, you know, they're really committed to this program, which is great, which you just can't beat that. Yeah, you bet. So what does a day-to-day look like for a startup or, or a company that's uh, growing? through uh, fuel. What does that look like? What kind of chaos does that look yeah, like? Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's already a good word for it. So mine looked a little different than some of the other founders because I, just prior to, you know, to, to getting the, uh, the acceptance, I had actually adopted a nine-month-old puppy. So I came to the, you know, I came to the to the accelerator with the, you know, the canine equivalent of a toddler. So my, you know, my nights were a lot different uh, than some of our folks who were out at, you know, one of the great local watering holes. <laughs> I was taking care of a puppy. But for all of us, the day really started with education. So you're getting a feel topically, all sorts of different, just a myriad of very helpful training on navigating through the enterprise. Some of that is on sales. A lot of that is on communications. This is on understanding the complexities, you know, the, 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 the changing tides sometimes, and again, the patience that's necessary. The afternoons then are spent very specifically with a set of mentors. In our case, we had probably uh, 65 or 70 mentors in the program that are people Generally in the region, not all of them were, but had, they did have a connection into fuel if they weren't here. And they, you know, they're there to help you navigate understanding where to go and who you need to know in this area, along with whatever their particular set of skills is, whether that be marketing, communications, technology, you know, you know, product development. And so it's a, it's a, it was a really good mix of people, but you're having six or eight of these meetings, you know, a day in the afternoons. And it's a little bit like every day is speed dating, you know, for, <laughs> you know, for your business. Wow. Sounds like you had some really good experiences uh, in the program. Oh, yeah. And of course, y- you keep coming back and you've talked about placing the commercial side of the, the, the business here. Why, I mean, other than the things we've talked about, why, mm-hmm. why is this a good environment to place a business like that? Sure. Well, 
as we look at the commercialization of a governmental technology, we've got to look at a few factors because, I mean, we can sell a lot of places, but we're a startup of a four-person team. One person, me, is on the commercial side of the business. So we're as a stand, and we just took on some additional seed funding. So that's good. And that'll help us. Thank you. In uh, 2023. But what that, what that uh, causes us to do is as any startup should, we've got to be extremely efficient with our resources. And if you're, you know, if you're looking at places to focus your efforts, you always want to be looking at what is the most repeatable potential model that you can find for revenue and for growth. Because you don't want to have to repeat a sales cycle every time you walk out the door, every time you make a phone call. It has to be something repeatable. And we're in, in the data space that we're in. It, you know, we, we are, you know, there, there's a bit of a relational aspect to what we sell. We're not just selling, you know, a, a widget mm-hmm. uh, that is just, a, you know, something generic. And so I've got to look at in anywhere in the United States or the world or wherever we want to do business, where can I find the largest mass of people that will fit co- companies and relationships that will fit with what we can do? And as we're heading into the, re- the CPG retail market as a primary driver, because we have other market markets as well that are more speculative, there's nowhere that I can sit and have those conversations and build these relationships easier than I can right here. Uh, there's nowhere in the, in the country that we could actually, you know, have over 1,400 brands that are in one place mm-hmm. that are accessible that you just drive around and you can see, you know, logo, logos and your one or two or maybe three, you know, three relationships steps away from being able to have a conversation with them. Yeah, it's remarkable. So that, it? that's, I mean, that's, that's the see. If you want me to give you a secret sauce to why, why we're positioning ourselves here versus say Chicago or, you know, or New York or San Francisco, that is number one, obviously, and we can talk about, you know, lifestyle and other things other, but, but that's number one. It's that I can get the business done here more efficiently. Cool. Well, Mike, you know, I had you on a short segment. Uh, yeah during the Northwest Arkansas uh, Technology Summit. We did a bonus series, I think we just wrapped it up, called uh, NWA Tech Summit Live. I encourage folks to go back and check out that episode with you. I think it was around 38-ish, episode 38-ish or so. If it helps, I think the drop date was November 18th, 2022, if you're not looking Mm -hmm. for the same year. Okay. You know, in the few minutes that we talked there, uh, you talked about your experiences here in Bendeville both personally and professionally. And I mentioned those together now because I went back and listened to that episode and I've noticed oh. <laughs> this trend line through other episodes and just in watching people around Bentonville in general and, and, and in daily life. And that trend line is that you can have your personal and professional life and they're sort of intertwined in, in a perfect way so that you can, so that you can enjoy life, but also have these amazing professional encounters everywhere you go, but it's also comfortable and okay, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not sure you can do that 
in a lot of other places. It's just the type of environment that we have here in Bentonville where you can do your work and live the life that you deserve. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the the both the pace of life here as well as the the density, if you will, of both things to do and people to meet, you know, are are one of the things that are appealing outside of just, you know, the obviously connections into retail and and the CPG and logistics spaces. So I would say you're never you're never very short bike ride away from anything to do or walk, you know, because I walk a lot too because I have mm-hmm. a dog. So, you know, you're there's there's it, it's not one of those places that you, you know, you have to get in a car and go miles and miles or sit in a lot of traffic. And although there is traffic, but, you know, you don't have to sit in it in order to find something to do, which is really uh, appealing. Also, you're never completely you're never completely out of touch with the people that you would want to be doing with business in anyway. You're going to see them on the weekends and you're going to see them at restaurants and you're going to see them at events. And, and that, that allows you to be a lot more efficient with your time uh, beyond, you know, beyond just your daily grind. You know, that's a really important thing, seeing and I'll say being seen. Mm -hmm when you're trying to sell to somebody. In fact, I, I once had a, a, the bean scene part is more important than the scene. I once had a, a <laughs> manager tell me, he said, James, he goes, I, I know you've heard it's who you know that matters, but that's a lie. Wait, what do you mean? He said, he said, it's who knows you that matters. And the reason he was telling me that is he had just received a phone call from one of my customers asking how to buy something. Mm-hmm. And I had been in the territory for three years. <laughs> Mike, I call that guy every month. I swear I do. <laughs> uh, but but it was still a, a a really good lesson. And so I guess my point here is another way it helps businesses be more efficient in selling and startups and so on when you have a hard time getting in front of this crowd to begin with is that you're seen, you're in their mind because they literally see you. Yeah. And that's a step toward closing your cell. One of the other questions I asked you in that bonus episode is for, it's what I call the staple question of the Bentonville Beacon podcast, the hashtag because Bentonville story. If you remember it, you, you talked about Mark Walsh and Adam Heisch uh, mm-hmm. coming to town. Will you repeat that story, re- share that story and tell us what happened? Yeah, sure. So Adam is our COO. Mark is the chairman of the company, also our lead investor. and. They had both wanted to come down during fuel at some point just to kind of get a, for a feel for the place uh, because I told them this was where we needed to launch the commercial, you know, component of the business. Mm-hmm. Somewhat a self-serving thing because I'm already here. Sure. And, <laughs> but it's right. I mean, it's true. And we were, we were sitting in a meeting over in the U of A's, you know, space over there where fuels, uh, you know, fuels HQ was. And behind us is a momentary, uh, you know, the, the tent. You can see everything out of the room. And, and Mark was talking about his experience. Great guy. He, you know, he wants to come back, hang out. He even talked about looking at real estate, which is a good sign. But 
he was making a comment and in, in, in telling Toby, the guy w- that we were meeting with, just about every, all of the experiences. He was talking about how he'd been running some stuff for GE, one of their divisions that was kind of competitor AOL. And, you know, Steve Case had called him up after, you know, he read some interview uh, about mm-hmm. him and said, hey, you know, I'm so glad you're, you know, you're here now because now when I hire you, you know, and, and from away from GE, you're already here, you know, nice. save me some time and money. But we were laughing about that. And, and then Toby said, you know, Toby said, oh, well, Steve Case is in town. <laughs> right. <And> so, <laughs> of course. And, and this Spindle. was, yeah, this, that's right. For, to me, that was just one of those. Yeah, of course he's in town. You know, he was, he was in town doing, putting on a program literally right behind us, which is kind of cool to be able to do and, you know, see happen. That's funny. One of my Steve Case's stories is about the time I almost got to give him a tour of our building. <laughs> And he was running behind schedule, and I watched watched the uh, car drive right by. Was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was only disappointed. I mean, you know, I got to go to the meeting he was at, yeah. but I was only disappointed because I had studied up on all the art in our building. Oh man! <laughs> and, and I was ready. I, I was ready to share with him that all the art in the building was on loan from from Alice Walton's collection mm-hmm. or from the Crystal Bridges Museum of American are and and some stuff about yeah. specific pieces but you can save that one because somebody else just like him is going to come in town so that's, that's, still that's use exactly that right well the art <laughs> will change by then i'll have to oh that's right uh, reach out uh, to the guy who takes care of all of it again <laughs> and 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 find out about it but at least now i know who to text <laughs> well i'll go ahead and ask now uh if you have another hashtag because bentonville story to share and and for the folks who who may be new to this show or haven't heard this question yet this is a staple question on every uh, Bentonville Beacon podcast, and it is, tell me a hashtag because Bentonville story. It's about a moment or a story that describes the essence of this place or maybe maybe could only happen here. Yeah, sure. And and actually, I'm, I'll give you something that it actually didn't happen here, but it's a point of pride. You know, uh, we're in Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a lot of people still think we don't wear shoes and talk with a funny accent, but I was in Austin uh, not that long ago and w- was having a conversation just out at a networking event uh, with a, um, you know, with a group. And one of the guys was talking about how he was involved with the music scene in Austin and how great it was and, and how he, he was involved in this one particular thing called the House of Sound and how it was, you know, it founded out of Austin and they had done all these great things. And it was, they only had one other, you know, location in the, in the world for what they did. And it happened to be right here. <laughs> right. House of songs. Songs. I'm close. sorry. Songs. Sound, You're close. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. House of songs. And, and uh, yeah. And so all the other people were like, what? Bentonville. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, so I got a chance to, uh, you know, to fill in a, a, you know, rather hoity crowd, you know, about what, what was happening up here and they left impressed. So, yeah. Well, if you don't know, you don't know. And, nope. and we, a lot of that, I, I think house of songs, I, I was on mm-hmm. their website recently and I saw for the first time New York listed. So, oh, you okay. Know, we got some competition. You know, Austin, okay. the Bentonville and the New York, yeah. of course that no, makes, that, totally fine. makes sense. Yeah, right. Uh, one of the organizations that helped get Austin's music scene going is uh, Black Fret, and uh, you may not know it yet, but they recently opened a chapter here in Bentonville. Sweet. 
And, cool. and one of their next stops, one of their next locations is Nashville. <laughs> so, Excellent. you know, if you uh, go to the 21C Museum Hotels website, you see all these giant places they're located in in Bentonville. If you go to the, you know, you talked about being in the University of Arkansas space uh, that's that's up here mm-hmm. right above them is the plug and play uh, yeah. accelerator. And if you go to their office in Sunnyvale, you see you know, I don't know, maybe a couple of dozen or so or or three dozen places listed on their walls like Berlin and New York and San Francisco yeah. and so on and Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> well, and I, I you know, I, I as a as a lifelong Arkansan, I am the biggest Arkansas homer uh, there is. I mean, I, you know, not just the hogs and all that, but yeah. just this state in general. And I lived in London for a while back in, in college and just for a semester. And, you know, this is back in 86. And the only thing that people knew about Arkansas was, you know, Bill Clinton. But there was no knowledge of even where the state was. I mean, mm-hmm. I had to explain, okay, you know where Texas is? And they'd say yes. And I'm like, it's right next to that. And, and, and it's always been... I think for Arkansans, you know, it's always been a, you know, a chip on our shoulder kind of thing. You know, there's been a lot of people who, you know, feel like we're, we're overlooked, so to speak. And now Bentonville is just becoming this beacon, you know, for representing uh, the state and gives you something cool to talk about when you're, when you're somewhere else in a bar. Yeah, Beacon. I see what you did there. Yeah, see that? Uh, very nice. Oh, I was wondering if you're going to catch it. Yes. Uh, you know... <laughs> I was one of those offenders who grew up here and then left mm-hmm. and was gone for quite a while. And I was never moving back to Arkansas. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I left when it was a land of opportunity, but there really wasn't a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And you didn't know about Northwest mm-hmm. Arkansas at all. You had the pig trail and maybe another highway and the airport in Fayetteville, I guess. And this football stadium was probably smaller than the one in Little Rock, which mm-hmm. we look at now and go, wow, that's small. <laughs> and, you know, so times have uh, really changed. Now we're in one of the fastest growing cities in the country, and it's incredible to uh, watch it build and, and grow. In your time in Bentonville, what have been some of your favorite experiences in town and the ones you most like to share with others? Well, of course, you've got the big, you know, Crystal Bridges. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a nice place. I... I bike trails and all that stuff people would talk about. I'm such a dog person that I like to talk about what is dog friendly around here. And, uh, you know, tops of my list there is absolutely the Osage dog park, which is not very far away from where we are Mm -hmm. um, right now. It's a, it's not like your normal dog park. It's way more nicely landscaped than anything in my neighborhood. And, uh, you know, and, and it's just, and the the people that I've met being at that park are the same people that I'd like to network with, you right. know. And, and so, uh, just being with my dog and hanging out, you know, is is uh, really really big. You can sit there also and watch experimental aircraft land at the Bentonville Airport, mm-hmm. you know, right next door. You know, I then can take the boardwalk through that really cool, you know kind of reclaim natural, you know, grasslands, marsh. Uh, and lo and behold, it ends up at Bentonville Brewery, which is one of the uh, my other favorite spots in town. 
And it just so happens I can walk between the two with my dogs. I get a little exercise and I get to, uh, you know, and I, can, and I get to have a, you know, meal and a beverage. So you can't, it, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of places, you know, like that around. And I would just say per capita here, you, you're going to be able to have more experiences doing new and different things than you likely can, you know, in any other uh, you know, certainly any other comparable size city and in a lot of cities that are a lot larger than here. I think you're right. We punch well above our body way, weight. Way, way, yes, way above. Yeah. So what do you feel like are the more unappreciated things about Bentonville, the things that maybe people don't really think about or know about? Well, it is getting more and more known. I mm-hmm. think the number one is that it's not, you know, is that it exists. I, yes. I think you you still have outside of the state of Arkansas and even inside people who just haven't traveled, you know, up this way. So that, that would be number one. I, from a business standpoint, and even from a personal, to some extent, what people don't understand uh, about this area is this is one of the unique, very few places. And Mark Walsh, our, our you know, our chairman said this, noted this immediately, noticed this when he was here that there is a mentality in this city that is rising tides lift all boats. And that means that you don't have infighting over who owns what real estate, you know, who's going to, you know, who you get to meet versus somebody else meets. Everyone that you bump into and have a meeting with is truly interested in what you're doing. And personally as well, not just you know, not just from a business perspective, and they actually want to help you. They actually want to f- figure out how to help you, you know, do business, meet people, enjoy yourself. Now, this comes naturally to me because mm-hmm. I have this same mentality, but people who are from not around here, if they come from either coast, you know, or, or somewhere and they come, they, they, they're blown away by the fact that people genuinely want to help because all those people in the community just want to make the community better. And that's really, really unusual. I think that's the hidden gem of, you know, all the gems uh, that you'd find here. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to know it and feel it and understand it unless you're here. And so I would encourage folks, if you haven't made the trip to Bentonville, just do it for a vacation. See what's up. Check out a couple of things while, while you're here. You know, I just had a conversation when I was driving over here to the studio today with a, a guy I've known for a long time who I, prior to that conversation, I thought there's no way he'd ever move from where he is. That's his, that's his place. That's his and his wife's place. They're not moving. <laughs> and well, if he listens to the, this episode, he'll know I was still soft recruiting him. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, he said to me, he's like, James, he goes, he goes, you know, I really appreciate you calling me for what you were calling me about. So it's a great opportunity to work on some stuff, but, and he goes, and I think it might help me and my wife do something we're talking about. He said, I keep coming over to Bentonville and my wife's come over there with me a few times and I keep engaging with more and more businesses that I'm doing consulting with there. And he goes, first of all, it's a beautiful place, you know, right? With the mountains and everything. He goes, but the people and the attitudes and, and this just wanting to build and, and, and keeping moving forward Mm-hmm. And building this great place, it's so attractive. He goes, I, Northwest Arkansas and Bentonville were not at all on our list, mm-hmm. but it is now. 
And in fact, it's the place we're really looking at. There you he go. said, give him three or four years. I told him, I'll give him one. Because <laughs> as soon as people here find out, you know what happens? As soon as people here find out that there's this person with all these talents or, or anybody who, who wants to come here, it's all hands on deck. And it's not even really a concerted effort. It's just people are like, well, let me introduce you to this person, this person, this person. Yeah. And they get you so tied into the community that you have to move here. If somebody hasn't checked out Bentonville yet, what's your pitch to them, uh, whether they're a business leader or, or, or especially startup founders and the such? Uh, well, I, I would say just that. I, I, would, I would, if, if, the, if the industry fits that you're in, then it makes sense to come here. I, I would say you can't just look on a website. You can't. That's right. You know, you need, you need to take a visit. And all you have to do is call you up, call me up, or 10 other people, you know, and or probably 50 other people who will, without hesitation, say, hey, let me set you up some time to see this person or this person or this person. And so that's the one thing that somebody needs to come here, you know, to experience if there's any reason from a business perspective, which is, you know, which is growing in, in, in the kind of areas that, you know, you're, you're talking about, because you're talking about not just retail and logistics and C, you know, CPG related brand, you know, consumer, consumer goods, music and art and, you know, an outdoor rack, I think is, you know, is the new one that is obviously growing quite a bit here now. And so there's, there's a lot of touch points there. Plus what I do tell people is I guarantee you, if you do make the drive and it can be a drive for people, you know, to get up here or, or fly, I mean, you can get just as good of airport as anywhere else that you're not going to leave having think you have wasted your time because right. there's, there's not a person that has come to the area that I know that hasn't enjoyed the experience, you know, even if it ultimately didn't fit with what their business did, you're, you're simply not going to, you know, you're not going to leave. So it's kind of a win-win. There's, there's no way to lose by coming and, uh, and taking a trip and checking it out. And the help you get very well may be and likely will be better, you know, than where you are right now. Well put. And the other industries, you know, in addition to retail supply chain logistics and I'll add corporate enablement in there into that mix you gave, as mm -hmm. well as outdoor recreation. The other industries folks should be looking at here are uh, healthcare and wellness mm -hmm. uh, and technologies, products and services there, as well as mobility. And whether that's a, a oh, yeah. anything, yeah, right? Anything yeah. from, it's the whole gambit. It's any, if it's a bike, it's in. If it's drones, flying cars, air taxis, mm -hmm. don't think I'm crazy, rockets. Yep. If the space industry even has uh, so, some play here, anything in the mobility industry, whether you're moving goods or people is in play here right now and something that people ought to be really paying attention to. Yeah. And I, I was um, having a conversation just this morning, you know, with a, with a, a lady and she didn't realize the drone business that is, you know, booming uh, yeah. from a standpoint of what's happening with the transportation, you know, drone and automated uh, components of, you know, of aviation that's, you can't find that anywhere, you know, except for here. No, well, you, you can't. There was a recent report that came out that ranked Arkansas as the number two 
state for readiness uh, mm-hmm. in drones. You know, our, our friends at Walmart have been delivering to us now for two years by both Zipline and drone up a little over mm-hmm. two years uh, now. I think in the state, and maybe we have all four of them actually in Northwest Arkansas. There's four locations that mm-hmm. that actively launch drones for delivery on a regular basis. Yeah, that's what she's saying. She was seeing them take off from the stores and go. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> a lot happening in, in that space and others. So there's some amazing experiences to be had here. Let's make a little turn. Okay. So you're a serial or let's make that multi-repeat. <laughs> is multi-repeat a thing? Sure that is. sounded like Absolutely. That sounded like it was uh, repetitive in and of itself. You're a repeat offender as a startup founder. That's a good way or, to <laughs> Right, or technology champion. What advice do you have of, for folks who are thinking about starting something or why should they do it or why shouldn't they do it? If I go back to uh, the days when I was co- co-founding the Venture Center, you know, we were, we were pretty specific into the fintech area, mm-hmm. partly because that was my background. And in enabling anyone to chase their dreams of entrepreneurship, to jump in headfirst and to immerse themselves and go. And this was 10 years ago, I guess. Uh, what I, you know, what I have noticed and what I've come to realize is it's more important for someone to not quit their day job, to be patient. There is a never ending supply of ideas. Technology is changing so rapidly that there's really never not an opportunity. And if you are in a place like Northwest Arkansas, like Bentonville, that is expanding and it is evolving almost on a weekly basis, then just because you have an idea of a lifetime today, calm down take your time, research, don't quit that day job and start to move into it. I was just um, actually down yesterday at uh, Hendricks College, mm-hmm. you know, great university here in the state talking to them. And I was uh, on a different purpose, but I was p- making the pitch that every student at Hendricks should have an opportunity, if not, if not be a requirement, that they create a side hustle during their college years. And the reason I think that is so important is that if you look at what technology looks like and what business looks like in the future, you know, that you're, you're probably going to have a side hustle. You're probably going to be involved in something or multiple things in your life because the opportunity is there and things are changing rapidly. And, you know, and, and so, do it, learn it, experience it, but do it at a pace that is not going to make you stay up every night and, you know, have the sweats and wake up early. I talked to so many founders. I, you know, I was with my son uh, with his company just this weekend at a, at an event where he had a booth and the lady next to us was selling her fashion and everything. And, you know, it's cold. We're outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a holiday season. We'd rather be with our families, but here we are schlepping whatever we're schlepping, you know, individually. And, you know, we were just kind of chuckling about it, about how people think this is such a 
glamorous and and wonderful thing to do, but we burned our entire Sundays, you know, to sell 400 bucks worth of goods at a booth in hopes that that promotes you in the market and, you know, uh, and, and gets more sales. And so it is, it is so hard to start a tech startup or a, you know, print company or, you know, whatever you're going to do that take your time, learn, put yourself in situations where you can network. And again, right here, and we haven't mentioned one million cups, but every Wednesday morning, go over, you know, to the one million cups facility here in town and meet people and do all this. Just take, take the morning off or tell your boss you're doing some research or shift your hours, but be there. It's eight in the morning. It's not going to take that long and spend your time learning and connecting uh, before you just jump in and do it. That's what's changed for me, you know, in the course of the last decade. And I, and I think, you know, I think hopefully at least a couple of people who listen to this will take my advice. <laughs> you know, it's right. You're right. There are so many ways to connect with folks. One Million Cups is a great way to do it, especially since people there are just open and ready and willing yeah. to pull you in yeah. and help you with whatever you're working on. Uh, but a couple of things you said struck a chord with me. One I wrote down, we were talking about how glamorous it wasn't to do these things. Because <laughs> there's, there's nothing glamorous about startups. I'm going to add at all. No, no, there's not. Um, in fact, that ties sort of directly to the other thing that, that, uh, that I wrote down here. But I'll first say that, you know, building any company is hard. Building a tech startup is really hard. You know, imagine a world where you wake up every day and you just know the company's going to fail and then you're certain it's going to succeed and you know it's going to fail and you're certain it's, it's going to succeed. And you go through that cycle about two more times before 11 a.m. You hope that the company True. makes it through lunch and you're sure by the end of the day about four times that you're at certain death and a couple of times you think you've made it. And that is the life of a startup founder. There is nothing glamorous about that. It's and so to your point, be patient. And I, and I love that you said, don't quit your day job. I, I think we went, went back maybe as short as just a few years ago, but certainly 10 years ago, that there were a lot of folks who would have said, burn the bridges. You're not investable unless oh, you yeah. do quit your job. And even then I thought, that's stupid. There's an 80 plus percent chance you are going to fail. Yep. And most of those reasons, you know, don't have anything to do with you. They do if you, you know, didn't do proper <laughs> discovery and find real product market fit and so on. Yeah, that kind of has to do with you. But but there's so many times that, that the market's not ready, genuinely not ready, that you're that you're the first mover, which is also a false thing, right? And mm -hmm. that, that uh, instead of the second mover who can actually learn, there, there's just so many things that can happen to you that you're probably going to fail. And so the idea of burning the bridges or the boats from the start makes no sense to me. So I love that you said, be patient, don't mm -hmm. quit your day job and basically figure it out. Yep. What's the most memorable moment of your professional life? I was working for a subsidiary of um, Altel Corporation, um, which is the old systematics, what they called Altel Information Services, and had the best job ever on the planet, a team, we had a team of three. Um, our role 
in the company was to take a look at this new internet as a technology and determine what was investable for Altel as a company. But it was it was the funnest thing corporately I've ever done. One day on a Monday, I uh, came into the office and was brought into a room and informed that the company was selling to this other financial fintech company called FIS, which is now still in Little Rocket. You know, it's the world's largest fintech company. And they, we, a small group of us were very fortunate to have been given a very generous severance package because that, uh, and this was prior to the merger. So, uh, you know, maybe 15 or 20 of us. And I got nine months to figure out what I to do with my life. They also gave us outplacement uh, services. Uh, and so me and the other two guys that I worked with traveled to Nashville to this outplacement company and we filled out forms and then we took surveys and they interviewed us uh, because they, you know, they were helping us to find what our next job would be. And it came time for my interview with the, you know, with the outplacement uh, consultant and he gets into the room with me and, you know, he's got his little notepad and everything. And he says, well, Mike, he said, look, you filled all this out uh, and this doesn't really happen very often. But the only thing I can tell you is you don't need to work in a corporation ever again. <laughs> and, and at that point, you know, it's something you kind of know. I'd done mm-hmm. my duty and I enjoyed my time, but I'm so much more focused on the idea creation and on improvement. And that environment just wasn't for me. And that's been the most impactful, certainly, moment of my career has been when I was told, you know, don't take a day job. <laughs> that's great. And the moment before it, when you were told you don't have a day job. Well, yeah, that one too. <laughs> yeah, worked to, out. Been there, done that. Yeah, um, always a couple of times, and found that whole process really interesting. And wish, in some ways, somebody had nudged me along out the big corporate door. That, that severance time sure goes fast. It, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you shared some pretty good, some pretty solid insights no, uh, with us so far. What's a belief that you have that maybe many other people don't hold? Sure. Oh, I, well, first I want to say, because we didn't really talk about what Verifix did. Yes. And you mentioned the word belief, right? It's on purpose. So yeah, I'm going to get around to the back to this at some point. Uh, so yeah, so, so, you know, that's what our business is. We're, we're tracking beliefs. We're tracking, you know, we're tracking the group dynamic of how people think. Well, beliefs are, beliefs are, are dynamic by nature, right? So they change, they change all the time. So I, I personally, right now in this day and age, this crazy day and age that we're in, when so many people can't get along and so many people, you know, are, are really not very optimistic about the future, I'm actually one of those guys who holds the belief that it's going to be okay. We are going to be all right. We're not going to, as, you know, as a planet, we're not going to blow up just yet. You know, I mean, maybe there's a rock, you know, thousands of light years away that's headed here. I don't know. But I think that right now, if everyone, you know, will 
just keep going and don't panic. It's like the old, in the, in the movie, uh, and I need to find the movie poster for this so I can put it on my wall, but you know, in Animal House, at the end when that pledge is out there and he's going, calm down. <laughs> so that's my belief is that it's going to be okay. <laughs> Nobody has invoked Animal House on the show. Oh, try, man. Great, great movie. <laughs> Fantastic movie. What is something you wish nobody believed? <laughs> well, I, I think, I think kind of down that same vein, I, I wish, you know, no one believed that there was not good in every person on this planet. Man, that is, that is beautiful. Okay. Love it. few questions left. Let's start wrapping this up. What's next for Verifix? Sure. So uh, we are in early 2023. We are going to be launching our, you know, our commercial side of the division here uh, that, you know, very intentionally. Uh, Mark Walsh, once he came and once he saw everything, you know, his immediate response was, I can, t- I see why you say what you've been saying. and. Yeah, it makes total sense for us to separate, you know, I mean, DC isn't a governmental town, but from a, you know, from a commercial and especially a consumer focused area, there's makes total sense. So that's our first next step. Awesome. If somebody wants to reach you mm-hmm. or learn more about Verifix, how do they do that? Um, uh, the easiest thing is just, you know, Mike at Verifix.com. If you all want to throw my, you know, cell phone in the notes. I, sure. I, and this is just be you know just beyond um, you know Verifix as well. I mean, if somebody wants to connect and wants to know more about anything around here or, or you know use connections I have, uh, LinkedIn's another good uh, another good one as well. Cool. Okay, that'll work. And last question: mm-hmm. What question did I not ask you that I should have asked? Well, this would have spurred a lot more conversation, so maybe it's good you didn't ask it. <laughs> Because I don't know okay. how long you like these episodes to be. Well, looking over at the clock, uh, we're okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, so if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm not here, the, you could have asked me the question, what's your favorite place to be? Do you want to ask? Interesting. What's yeah. your favorite place to be the short version of it? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so the favorite place that I like to be when I'm not here is Savannah, Savannah, Georgia. Okay. Um, it was uh, my, you know, one of the best pieces or biggest pieces of advice, most frequent my dad uh, ever gave me was, you need to go to Savannah. He said, don't date somebody seriously in college. Blew that. That didn't work out. But he kept saying it over and over and over. And uh, I don't think he said it to my, you know, my, uh, uh, my siblings. But turns out, you know, that city is, a, is one of those places in the world where you step into it that you just feel like you've been there before and you've got this strange connection. So when we do another podcast that's on really crazy way out there, maybe you'll be on my podcast if I start one of those. That sounds good. Yeah. Then uh, we can have that conversation about it. Very cool. So that's a cool town. Yeah. It's a very very cool cool town. Well, as we wrap up, you know, I encourage everybody to go out and check out that November 18th episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, to get a little more from Mike and also hear from folks like Phil Shellhammer from the University of Arkansas's Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program. 
which is an uh, outdoor recreation products, services, and technology incubator, uh, not just focused on uh, university-based companies, but anybody in the community can access it. And also, I put in my notes, oh, Connor Pachta was also on that episode. He's a robotics and automation uh, engineer at Tyson Foods. So you get some good insights from him. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for sharing your time with me and the audience today. Really love this conversation. (laughs) It's always uh, a pleasure getting a moment, uh, you know, to to speak with you. And I can't wait to see your progress and that of Verifix uh, here in our community. So thank you for becoming part of Bentonville's story and welcome home. Yeah, thank you very much and and stay tuned. We're going to do some big things next year. Sounds awesome. And thank you to our Bentonville Beacon audience. You know, to build on this show's success, only ask two things of you. One is, of course, to share the show in any way that you will, whether that's through text, email, social media, or telepathy. Uh, is that the right word? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it is. That'll be on um, that same episode. Sure. <laughs> that's the next episode. Yeah. Uh, second, come back again uh, to hear stories from our leaders and about this place in Bentonville in Northwest Arkansas where you can get more of what you want and less of what you don't. And as always, visit BentonvilleEconomicDevelopment.com to see all of our episodes and to learn more and then hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Thanks. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. We hope to see you next week.